the biggest thing with eBay, you can sell, you can start by selling pretty much anything. It's not like Amazon where you're going to open up an account, be gated in certain categories and brands. eBay makes it very simple for people to sell items. They want you to list, they want you to sell items because that's how they make money is from the seller fees. Hi, and welcome to Your Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Kirk, aka Your Selling Guide. I'm a small town girl who took a big risk and quit a steady corporate desk job to travel the US in an RV. Along the way, I started selling on Amazon, grew a seven-figure business, visited all the lower 48 states, bought a farm, and today I am still doing what I love to do, selling on Amazon while helping other sellers do it too. Each week, I will share Amazon tips and tricks and bring in guests to share their stories, expertise, and tips on the platforms that they use. Think of this as a sit down with your Amazon bestie where you can learn, ask, start, and grow your online selling business. Welcome to Your Selling Pod. This week, I am so excited to welcome guest Liz Kellogg to the podcast. Now, I have known Liz for what feels like forever, basically since we started RVing, because Liz also RVs, or she used to, and she sells on Amazon, and more importantly, she sells on eBay. I am really excited today to have her on the podcast to tell you more about how you can use eBay to supplement your income, or create a new stream of income and a new platform to sell on. So with that, welcome Liz to the podcast. Hi, I am so unbelievably excited to be on this podcast. I've been following you, I think, since we started RVing, which has been a long time, and we have literally never talked. We communicate all the time on social media, but here we are. We get to, you know, do the podcast face-to-face. I am so excited. The same thing. I was like, I feel like I know you, but yeah, we've never like actually talked. So I'm really excited to have you here today. You sell online in just about every possible way there is. And so I know I could totally rabbit trail off, but I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about eBay specifically, even though you do sell on Amazon and I'm sure that will come into it because personally, I don't yet sell on eBay, but I really know that I need to. And it's one of those things that when you don't know something, you just kind of get scared and don't do it and use that as an excuse. So how did you get into online selling? What did your life like before? And I know RV travel has a little bit to do with that. So yeah. All right. So how we started. So I'm married, my husband, Casey, And he took a catastrophe auto damage job. It was probably seven years ago. And he did that for five years. But in the meantime, I was teaching. And when he was traveling, he was gone 21 days a month and sometimes longer. And so when he would come home, he only had seven days and he would drive everywhere that he went. And when he came home, you know, I'm all excited to see him. I want to go out. Let's have fun. Let's see our friends. And he was like, I just got done working 21 days in a row and driving wherever I was back home. I have no desire to, you know, I just want to relax. I want to see my dogs and I want to relax. And so we did that for about two, about a year and a half. And then he got this idea that we needed to hit the road. So that was the inspiration for, you know, starting to go on the road, travel with him, full-time RV. And at the time I was teaching, 
And I left teaching and I went to Southwest Airlines. I worked in the call center, which taught me that that was the worst job I've ever had in my entire life. It was not for me. I did not enjoy it. So I ended up leaving that. But in the meantime, when Casey would travel and go to these places where they would send them, he was chasing hailstorms. It was normally he'd go to Montana, spent a lot of time in Texas and the Midwest. And when he was going there, he would drive. And because he had, you know, 16, 17 hour drive, he would turn on YouTube and listen to it in his car. And he came across Reezy Resells and selling books on Amazon. And he got that idea. He's like, wow, this is something that Liz can come on the road. She can travel with me. She can do it out of a hotel room or wherever we would need to stay and ship everything into Amazon. So that was kind of how we started with selling on Amazon. And then when we sold everything, we had a five bedroom house in Tempe, Arizona, sold it all, hopped in the RV and hit the road. And I was doing mainly Amazon, but I also started doing eBay. So flash forward, we ended up building up our Amazon with private label to the point where, you know, we knew that that was going to be how Casey could leave his W-2 20-year corporate career. Like we had built it up that much. So then we decided to put down roots again. We came back to Arizona, the Phoenix area, and ended up buying a house. And Casey ended up leaving his W-2 career. So when we put down roots again, that was allowing us to have more space to then not only still continue to do the Amazon that we do this to this day, but also start selling on eBay and growing the reselling part of our business. So that's kind of where we are right now. When you started Amazon, did you start with retail arbitrage first or did you go right into private label? We started with uh, selling books. So I was going to, I remember being in Colorado. This is so funny. We were staying in a hotel. I was traveling with Casey for his three weeks. I would go to Goodwill's, start scanning all the books. You know, I was, I had a scanner and everything and I would bring them back to the hotel, but I'd have to use those like hotel carts to bring everything up to the room. And I had my scale, my printer, everything I needed, boxes, tape, everything you would need to, you know, create an FBA shipment. And then I would wheel everything back down to the car and I'd go and, you know, drop them off at UPS and send them into Amazon FBA. And then I also did a little bit of retail arbitrage as well, you know, going to Ross stores and Walmart and finding things as well. So that's kind of what helped us get into private label because we started with the books doing RA, but then we started learning about the other ways that you can sell on Amazon. And that led us to private label. And we spent a lot of time researching products and then, you know, figuring out which brand we wanted to launch. Nice. So I totally can relate to the like putting down roots again and like expanding because I've been selling for six years now doing retail arbitrage and all from the RV. So you can't really do a whole lot. It was great. I absolutely loved it. But I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to fully expand and grow my business because I still feel like I've just been in like the baby stages of it. But I know one thing I need to branch out because my storage shed is full of stuff I can't sell on Amazon is eBay. So how did you guys get into eBay specifically? Was it way back when you just kind of listed them both or was there a strategy or? We've always, well, Casey started selling on eBay back in high school. He'd go and stand in line when you would have to get the PlayStation, stand in line to get them. 
And his mom also has been selling on Am or uh, his mom's been selling on eBay since uh, 1997. So she is an OG seller. Shout out to Bolo Brenda. That's what I call her because she knows <laughs> all the items to look for. Um, but you know, that was one of the ways that Casey knew that I could do it from anywhere. You know, I, I just needed to go out and find items to resell and we could store them wherever we were, whether that was on the RV. When we were on the RV, we were very limited. I had about four plastic bins of all of our eBay stuff. Um, but that was kind of where we started even before we RV'd. I was doing a lot of selling on eBay as well, because with private label, it takes a long time to find products and do that research and contact suppliers and everything that goes into that. So in the meantime, eBay was a way that I was still bringing in money every single month. And then, you know, we could then take that money and reinvest it in other things such as private label. When you started selling, how much capital did you use or initially invest into the business? So at the time, you know, I was done teaching. I was, I didn't have that income anymore, but Casey really strongly believed no matter if it was going to be selling on eBay or doing selling books on Amazon, he told me, you have a thousand dollars a month. I want you to go out and I want you to try to spend a thousand dollars a month. Sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't, but in his eyes, he understood how reselling worked and how selling on Amazon worked and you know, if you want to make money, you have to spend the money. So we started with about that per month. And then we got up to the point where, you know, we kept, we didn't take anything out of the business. I think that was the main, you know, that was the biggest thing that I think helped skyrocket, you know, to where we are right now is being able to take all of the funds that we were making from all the sales and all the different platforms, and then just keep reinvesting it and reinvesting it, buying more product, buying more product to where when we were ready to purchase the private label products, that order was about 10,000. So if we wouldn't have, you know, if we were spending the thousand dollars a month and then taking those profits and paying for like rent or, you know, whatever, our mortgage and car payment or whatnot, we wouldn't have had the funds to then keep buying more product. So I think that was something that we did that was really good was we didn't look at it as a way that we were, it wasn't going to pay for anything. It was just, we were trying to build the foundation of that business and just keep building it and building it. That's smart. That's what I always recommend to people is just keep snowballing your money. Cause if you're just, this is not a way to just pay your bills. You have to start with something. You have to start with the mindset that you're going to keep pushing at this and not get any money back because if as you pull money out you're just hindering yourself and your future growth because you need that money for more inventory did there come a time where after so many that you finally started pulling money out do you pull it out uh, on a regular do you pull it out how you need it how did that work out yeah so that was my my job was just to build the online business casey was still doing the catastrophe job so we had his income to be able to pay for everything so my job was just, let's keep doing that. It wasn't until, you know, after we put down roots and we actually moved into our second house that we own here, that was when Casey had left his job. And then we started pulling, doing owner withdrawals and pulling money out of the business. But by that time, I mean, that was three years later. I mean, it took us a good three solid years to be able to replace what he was, you know, bringing in with his W-2 job. So I think that's where a lot of people do go wrong. They just 
you know, they, they take the money too quick or they don't really understand that you're trying to build something. So if you spend that thousand dollars a month and you only have that to spend, and then you take that money out and you want to buy more product, what are you going to buy more product with? If you've already taken that money, you have to snowball it and keep it going. That's really good. I like that you give the time frame because I think that people sometimes don't know or don't have that like kind of expectation. So that's really good, strong points for everyone listening of like, you can do it sooner, you can do it later. It's all just, you know, what you want to do and what you want to achieve and how fast you want to grow. I definitely know that now, six years later, that I have not endless capital, but I have a lot more capital than I ever had in the beginning. And it does make my life and sourcing so much more fun and also profitable. That's like, it's, you have to have the product to sell or you can't make money. Right. And it has to sell also. That's another thing. I'm like, yeah, the profit looks great, but if you don't sell that thing, you aren't get that profit. Yeah. There's nothing quite like that sound of a new order coming through on your Amazon account. But do you know how much you're actually making on those orders? Your Selling Podcast is excited to partner with Sellerboard. Sellerboard is an accurate profit analytics for Amazon sellers as well as eBay. With just a quick login to the app or your dashboard on a desktop, you can see what your true numbers are for all of your Amazon orders by the day, week, or month. I love to use it to forecast out how I'm going to do that month and use it for my planning. Sellerboard doesn't just tell you your profit, though. They actually do so much more. So if you're creating a private label listing or you're making your own bundles, you can use Sellerboard to get reviews for your product pages. Sellerboard is a robust profit analytics tool, and I use it every day in my Amazon business. You can try Sellerboard yourself, connect it to your Amazon or eBay accounts, and see how it works for you. Get two months free by going to yoursellingguy.com slash sellerboardprofit. Again, that's yoursellingguy.com slash sellerboardprofit. Try Sellerboard today and get the true profit picture of how your business is doing. So how does eBay really work for you and how is it a good addition that other Amazon sellers should really look into? I feel like eBay has given us just an additional stream of income. I'm a big fan of the phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think with selling on Amazon, it can sometimes be a little intimidating or scary because you're at the mercy of Amazon. They could shut down your account anytime and then what are you going to do? So I, I liked that we also, I mean, we spent a lot of time building up Amazon, but then we also have been spending a lot of time building up our eBay. So I think the biggest thing with eBay you can sell, you can start by selling pretty much anything. It's not like Amazon where you're going to open up an account, be gated in certain categories and brands. eBay makes it very simple for people to sell items. They want you to list, they want you to sell items because that's how they make money is from the seller fees. So I think that's a good thing. If you are selling on Amazon, eBay doesn't take much effort to start. So I would start with looking around the house, trying to find items that maybe, you know, you go through your closet and you can find a couple, you know, maybe you have some jeans that you just haven't worn in a couple years or, you know, a couple shirts and list them and see how eBay works. It's, it's completely different. You have total control. You know, you take the photos of the item, 
you create the listing, you create the title, the description, you put in item specifics, you name your price, you can either charge buyer shipping or have free shipping. So there's a lot of flexibility with eBay, which is what I really like about selling on that platform. And like I said, you don't have to worry about being gated in a category. You can just go on there and sell it. I mean, there's certain things that you can't sell, like a CPAP machine because it's a medical device, you know, and there's certain keywords you can't use. You can't use Velcro, but things like that you'll, you'll learn. Um, but another kind of challenge with eBay is it's not like Amazon where you have sales rank and you have a Keepa chart for every single listing. So you can, you have all that data that Amazon gives you with eBay, you have to kind of judge things based on sell-through rate. So what you would do is put in an item in the search terms, let's say Columbia hiking boots, size eight women's, you will see all of the listings that come up for that, those keywords. And let's say there's a hundred, hundred listings, then you would go and you would sort through sold items and see how many have sold in the last 90 days. So if a hundred are listed and a hundred have sold, that tells you that there's a pretty good demand. If there's a hundred listed and 10 have sold, that tells you that there's not really that much demand for that particular product. So those are the ways that you can judge what items are going to sell pretty quickly on eBay. But just like with Amazon, there's no guarantee that items are going to sell. You have to use your best judgment, as much research as you can to figure out if that item is going to be good or not. So when you go to like thrift stores, because I know you do a lot of thrift stores, is is that what you're doing in store? Like you're seeing an item and then you're doing the research on eBay itself? Or is there other things you use? They only pretty much are only using eBay. They have a, a research tool called Terapeak, which I know there's some sellers that use it. I've never used it. It's just you put in the keyword and it'll kind of come up with all the items that have sold. I'll use it to see how people are titling their listings to see if there's any certain keywords I should be including. But yeah, I mean, when we go to thrift stores or even, you know, if I'm going to Ross, I'll look up an item. If you're scanning, you can still scan like you would on Amazon. You can scan a barcode on eBay, but not every listing will have the UPC on it. So if you scan, you might not see all of the listings. It might come up with only 20 items are listed from that barcode when really there's a hundred listings because people put that particular product on, but didn't include the UPC, if that makes sense. Yep. So is it like Amazon where we have the customer facing amazon.com and then there's the seller app? Is there two different apps for eBay? Or are you doing everything in one app? It's all in your buyer account. So you'll have a buyer account you can have a username and then you also can pay for a store. So there's different types of stores. I think the basic one starts at like $7.95 a month. And what they do is they give you a discount on some of your fees up to so many listings per month. They give you a quarterly $25 coupon you can use towards eBay shipping supplies. So with Amazon, you just pay the $39.99 and they don't give you anything else. Like it's, you know, you're just paying to be on their platform. With eBay, they try to help out sellers, give them discounts on things. And there's different tier levels for stores. We pay one store is, oh, the starter store is $7.95. We pay for the basic store, which I think is $21.95 because we pay for a full year. But really it allows you to then create a storefront and you can have certain listings show up. You can really customize it. Now you can connect your eBay store to your social media. 
which I think is really good for, you know, some people who have a bigger following on social media. Maybe they are niche sellers. Maybe they sell, you know, antiques or certain brand of antiques. I think it's, they give you a lot of flexibility and, and the ability to personalize and really cater your store to what you sell. Nice. How do you come up with what you're going to like the, the description and all that? Are you pulling from other things or do you have, is, is it like kind of like SEO? Like you learn what the website wants? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they prefer like, and when you are using your uh, mobile phone and putting in like, let's say the Columbia hiking boots, I would put in Columbia hiking boots and they'll actually kind of help you with what they want in the title. So they'll like pre put certain options that you can choose. So that is really helpful. A lot of people though will search that and then go to another listing that's similar and then choose at the bottom sell similar. And then it pulls everything from that particular page. So whatever that person listed will then pull and then you can just add your photos and change the description. Well, that doesn't pull the description. So you would just have to add in the description. So I don't know. I I've gotten faster at just going in and listing my items, just list an item and I know exactly what to put in. And then one good thing, if you are starting to sell similar items, I go to my own listings because I know that the information I put in is correct. So when you're doing sell similar, what if somebody has something wrong in the description or in the item or the item specifics? So if the item specifics are, are wrong from that listing, they're being pulled to your listing. So you really have to be careful with looking over the listing to make sure all the information in there is correct. An example could be like material. Maybe the shirt is pulling that it's a cotton when really it's rayon. So you have to be careful of things that are in the listing because then if you have something wrong and somebody buys the item, they said, I thought this was going to be a cotton shirt and it's a rayon shirt. Well, then you open up the possibility of a buyer returning an item. So you have to just really go slow, take your time and make sure everything's correct. Do you um, get a lot of returns or is that something that you can say, like, we don't have returns or we don't accept them, I guess? We do 30 day returns, buyer pay shipping. And we keep going back and forth, whether to just offer free returns. If you offer free returns as a seller, Amazon, not Amazon, <laughs> eBay, wrong platform. If you offer free returns, eBay will actually give you, I think it's a 10% fee discount. So they give you a discount for offering free returns to the buyers because they're trying to encourage sellers to offer free returns to compete with platforms like, e like Amazon, you know, because everyone's used to getting free returns on Amazon Well, on eBay, not everybody offers that. I looked at it last year and if we did do the free returns with however many we had, we probably would have saved money on fees. So I think it would be worth it for us to switch to that. But right now we just do the 30 day buyer pay shipping, just because I feel like if you buy an item and you have buyer remorse, you should pay to ship it back to me, <laughs> but we wouldn't get that discount fees. That I could totally, that seems like something I would do also. Like, no, you're going to pay to have it back. I actually can't figure out. I think it back in the day, you could do that on Amazon, but not anymore. It's like always got to be free with that same thing. Do you offer free shipping or do you have charging for shipping when they order it? Or is it kind of flex on what the item is? It depends on the item. So like first class, 
I know how much it's going to cost for shipping. I know it's going to be under $6 or, you know, no more than $6.25 or whatever the top prices for first class via the postal service. We sell a lot of clothes too. And I know a lot of those clothes we can ship first class, but if it's a larger item, like if we had something that was really big, I would do what's called calculated shipping where you have to figure out the weights and the dimensions and then put that in the listing. So when somebody goes to purchase it, it, it will calculate how much the shipping will be and the buyer will have to pay that on their end. And then there's some items where we're like, we know that we should add another like $15 for shipping. So it really depends on the item, but with clothes, we usually just do free shipping. Yeah, that makes sense. I know I've done some clothes and it's like three fifty or $4. It's like nothing mm-hmm. on shipping where it would help you to get the sale if you offered free shipping. What does a normal, like, I don't know how often you go thrifting and all that, but like, what's a normal week look like if you're doing eBay that week, if it's not something you do every week? So this is something we just started doing this year because I'll tell you, it can be challenging working with your significant other. Um, I mean, you know, we always had a W-2, we'd go do our job, we'd come home, but now working together, I think one of the biggest challenges is like learning our our strengths and weaknesses. Like I'm really organized, Casey is not organized. he likes to list. I don't like to list. So like finding those things about ourselves. But one thing that's really helped us is getting on a schedule. So we know Monday, obviously going to be our shipping day and probably listing day. And then we try to twice a week, go out and do like a little route that we have where we go to nearby thrift stores or pop into different stores along the way. But yeah, I think having a routine is really important too. And I know a lot of people listening might still have full-time jobs, but you can still have some sort of consistency, even if you are working full-time, maybe on the weekends, like your Saturday morning is going to be your sourcing time, or you're going to go out and you're going to go out and, you know, hit as many stores as you can. We try to do the two days a week for thrifting. We find like we, we can get enough inventory to where we're, we always have more inventory on hand that is not listed. So like, right. People call it a death pile. I call it a money pile. You know, it's just sitting there, but I think in, in also like in 2020, it taught us don't ever be afraid to have too much inventory because you never know when sources are going to dry up. And that's why we try to have more on hand than we actually, you know, have the time to list is because we never want to be in a position where we run out of inventory to list. Because with eBay, it's also a different ball game with you want to make sure you're being consistent on that platform. eBay wants you to be listing. They want you to be changing your prices, running sales. Like they want you to be active on that platform. So that's another thing to consider if you are doing eBay. You can now schedule listings. So maybe you are working full time and you you know want to list 25 items one day. I would schedule them throughout the week. So every single day you have listings that are, are being uploaded and live on the platform. And that's a nice feature that they actually started this year. They used to charge like 10 cents a listing, but now you can schedule them. So I think that's a really pro for anyone who is working a full-time job and doesn't have the time every single day to be listing items. That's smart. I I am all about the schedule. Like 
I started doing it last year and I really kind of dialed it in more stricter, I guess you'd say this year. And it's made my life so much like more free. And I feel like I have time now because I know on these days, this is what's happening. So that is a great tip and something I absolutely encourage because I was running crazy before that, like things just pop up and then you have to prioritize and I'm all about the schedule now. <laughs> Yeah. And then with Casey and I, it's like, we'd look at each other. What are you going to do today? I don't know. What are you going to do today? And I'm like, we cannot be doing this every single day. Like we have got to get on a schedule where we know, okay, this is when like, you know, with we, I have a podcast that I'm a co-host of and Tuesday mornings is when we record. So like that day, Casey knows, well, that's an opportunity for him to go into our spare bedroom and start listing some items. So it's like, getting on the same page is really important. And yeah, I cannot stress consistency and scheduling enough. Let's talk about your podcast. I know we do it at the end, but let's just do it now since you brought it up. But what is, okay. tell me about your podcast and what you are offering. Cause I know I love listening to podcasts. So I'm all about finding about new ones. Yeah. So I, well, in 2020, when everything was shut down and we had no way to find inventory. I jo joined an OA leads group. And in the leads group, they had one post that they wanted people to find in a, an accountability partner. And I found a girl named Ashley and she was in New York and she was really good with Poshmark. And that was one of the platforms that I had no idea how to sell on. I now sell on it thanks to her. But I was like, you, you will be a perfect team because you want to learn about Amazon. I want to learn about Poshmark and we're both good at those platforms. So we started that relationship and we would chat almost every single day. And then we were no longer in that group, but we decided that we wanted to do something together to give back to the reselling community because we're all about positivity and we want to help others. So we were like, let's start a podcast. So it's the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. And really there's a lot of eBay on it. We talk a lot about eBay, Poshmark, Macari, not so much Amazon, but it's a really good place if anyone is thinking about starting to resell and do eBay. We've got a lot of really good episodes for people who are just starting out. Awesome. And then I know when you announced it, I was like, what is day check? I'm like Googling. <laughs> There's no definition. So a day check, it's just the concept of, you know, everyone's used to that W-2 paycheck get it every other week or whenever you get paid weekly. But really the idea of reselling would be how can you make money every single day and how much do you need to make every single day to then replace your paycheck? Nice. That's awesome. I am all about the same things, positive, like there's no reason to be negative. I mean, obviously we all get frustrated. We're running businesses on platforms that are mega and don't really care about us. So right. there's a lot of frustration that comes to it, but I love that you guys are doing that. So check it out wherever you listen to podcasts and they also have a YouTube where you can watch them. So what are some of the struggles that you have encountered either selling on eBay or just being a business owner in general? Yeah, I think you, there's no like one blueprint or playbook for selling on Amazon for reselling. It's, I don't think we were prepared for it, I would say. And what I mean by that is there is a lot of work. You are the only one responsible for putting in that work. There's a lot of time that goes in it. And our biggest struggle has always been storage. 
Like when we were first starting out with private label, we were shipping our items directly into the warehouse and that was working perfect for us. We could do it on the road. We you know, didn't have to have a house, a garage. We didn't have to have a storage unit or a warehouse. And then now with all the fees with private label, we have to have a lot of storage. And that has just always been one of our challenges. On our property right now, we have a 1200 foot outbuilding that is completely filled with pallets. We just got a shipping container delivered. That's going to be on the side of the house and holding stuff that is not heat sensitive, you know, maybe cardboard boxes and pallets that we need and things like that. But I mean, oh, and we converted right behind me, if you're watching on YouTube, our laundry room is back there and we converted that into more storage. So we have storage shelving in there. I just don't think people are prepared once everything starts moving along. Like once you start reselling, you run out of space really, really fast. So that's one thing to consider. If you are going to start selling on like eBay, make sure you have a plan, make sure you have space that you can store things because you can run out of space really quickly. And then another struggle I would say would be capital. Uh, in the beginning, it was just Casey and I, we had that initial $10,000 investment, but with those types of products, you have to you know, as soon as they start getting low in the warehouse, you have to place your next order. So you immediately have to have that 30% put down. And then when the product's finished, another 70%. So that was another struggle that we had was getting enough to have bigger orders, because that's the only way you're gr going to grow is if you, you know, buy more product, add more SKUs. So we did go into business with another couple, and they were the ones that had the capital. So we were able to then start growing and get to where we are today. But I would say storage and capital was probably our biggest struggles in the beginning. You're like kind of freaking me out because so we are building a shop. My area, the big, I don't know how big the big shop is. It's big, but I think it's like 60 by 80 or something. But my area is only 1400 square feet and I'm only using half of that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to run out because private label is something I want to eventually get into. Um, as well as like ordering from wholesale or and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, uh oh, I'm going to be in that big shop in no time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say like storage shelves and just try to figure out how to maximize every single inch. I mean, that's like literally we had a diagram of, okay, this SKU is going to be on this pallet here, this one here. And I mean, then we also have, I mean, our house is pretty small. We're in like a 1400 square foot house, it's a two bedroom. And we also have to have a place for like our personal things. So like our garage has a lot of eBay stuff. And then we have on the side of the outbuilding, that's like all of our camping things and like our bikes and stuff like that. So it's, I don't know. It's like we went from an RV with four plastic bins and shipping everything into Amazon to now I'm like, we need a bigger house. I need a bigger outbuilding. That is so funny. So is there like a, do you, have a certain amount of space so like if you have a lot of stuff on ebay that hasn't sold and you don't have the room does that mean you just don't go sourcing or you just find the room and keep going sourcing i um i mean like behind us like you can see a cash register is just sitting there that we need to get listed our dining room table is completely filled with stuff which my mother-in-law is coming next month or no at the end of this month we have got to get that thing cleared so we can at least have family dinners i don't know I, it used to bother me. Like I used to be like, you know, Casey, it doesn't bother him at all, but 
me, I was like, I just want it to look nice. And I don't want to, you know, feel like I live where I work. But in the end, it's like, it is what it is. Like, you know, and he keeps telling me, this is what we signed up for. Like, this is what reselling is. Like, unless we had a bigger house and another outbuilding, like we have to put things in certain places. So we use our spare bedroom, laundry room, garage, outbuilding, and now the the container. So I just, I don't know. It doesn't bother me any, anymore, but with older inventory. So that is one of the things, like some of the stuff on eBay, I feel like, like I said, you're not guaranteed to sell things. Some of the stuff on eBay has a slower sell-through rate than others. I think what's important is looking at the older inventory though. We try to only keep stuff for about a year because we have enough space. But then if it's been a year, either liquidate it, throw it on an auction or delist it. And we have a garage sale. And then we try to recoup some sort of funds. Now the benefit of doing like the thrifting business model, our cost of goods is not that much versus if you're doing like retail arbitrage where sometimes, you know, the prices are going to be a little higher and, you know, they can be sometimes with thrifting, but we're okay with, okay, well, we know we spent probably like $4 on this item. It hasn't sold in a year. It's taking up space. Let's get it out. Because sometimes with selling on eBay, you might have items that are selling consistently. Like we bought a huge micro bale from this online thrift supply company, and it was a hundred pounds of clothing. And there were a bunch of Carhartt shirts. Those have been selling so fast for us but I've been pricing them pretty good. And we have been looking back at some of the items that aren't selling. They were priced too high, or maybe the brand is saturated now, meaning too many people have them listed and the sell-through rate went from selling a lot to now, you know, there's just too many listed and not enough people buying. So that's another factor with storing. And you have to be really careful to try to sell the items and not be attached to your inventory. Like that's another huge thing. Like sometimes you'll get an offer and you're like, I'm not going to let that go for that. That person's getting a deal. But in the end, it's like, it's just sitting there. And if it's not selling and it's been a long time, just take the offer and move on. That's I, so I got into Poshmark only because I have a little bit of a bikini obsession Mm -hmm. where I buy them. And then sometimes I wear them. Sometimes I don't. And then I end up like, okay, I'm buying more and I don't have any space. So anyways, that's how I get into Poshmark. And so that's where I will sell them. But I have the same thing where I'm like, no way, I don't want to sell it for that amount. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, what What am I doing with it? Like, it's just sitting there anyways. I got to get rid of it. But that's one aspect that I'm not like the whole, I'm not the person, you know, if you've traveled to other countries, there's the whole bartering thing. And that's just not me. If you tell me what it is, I'm either going to pay it or not. So do you have that? Is that a part of eBay? Can you make offers or can customers make offers on stuff and you have to decide or is that? Yeah, I think that's why we price stuff so high is because we're anticipating somebody making an offer. So you can choose whether to have a buy it now price. Like maybe you price something for $25 and that's it. They have to buy it at $25. Or you can do what's called best offer, add that on there, and then they can make an offer. And then you can always counter. I think you have four attempts to accept an offer. So maybe it's 25. They come, you know, you'll always get the low ballers where somebody will be like $5 and I'll come back at, it'll cost more to ship this item than $5. (laughs) Like that's not even covering shipping. No. And you can decline it too. You don't have to even go back. 
So I'd like it though. I think it's fun, like a ne negotiating, going back and forth, but you don't have to put a best offer on an item. You can just put the price and that's what they have to pay. Do you use any tools for cross-listing? Because I know you do do multiple platforms. Is there a software you use or you just manually kind of keep track? Oh, I, I'm not a good manual person. I need I need help when I, <laughs> and I'm okay to ask for help. Uh, and that's another, also another pro with selling on eBay. Like once all of our listings were up there, I think we had about a thousand listings. We used List Perfectly. And there's a couple other ones. There's free ones out there if you don't have a lot of inventory that maybe they offer like 25 a month for free or whatever. There's been due, but we use List Perfectly. And what we do is when we list the items on eBay, because Casey and I list both from our phones. So then it goes into our eBay account. From there, we take those listings, we import them to list perfectly. And then once they're on list perfectly, then we can cross list them. And there's other ones. I mean, you can cross list to Instagram. Was it Depop? There's a couple other platforms, but we do mainly Poshmark and Macari. And that's really honestly helped us even sell more of our eBay inventory because there's different types of buyers on the different platforms. So maybe items aren't selling very well on eBay, but they'll sell very well for us on Poshmark. I think uh, so far this year, I mean, we get another probably five to $600 a month from cross-listing and having them on those different platforms. And that's just another way to keep moving product. Smart. Yeah. I think if I ever went or when I get into it, cause I'm going to do it, that I will also be doing that because I'm already listening on a couple others. So why not have them all on there? Is there any other tools or software or just like organization tips or something that has helped streamline your business? When we did private label, we used jungle scout. So that was the software that you use to scan the Amazon marketplace and try to find items that you could then, you know, find to private label. So that's definitely a software we use. Um, and then the list perfectly. On Poshmark though, I use Posh or VA because on Posh, they want the Posh love. They want you to be sharing stuff. It's so tedious to be like sharing your listings every single day. I don't have the time to do that. So I pay for that service and they do it for me and I can just schedule it to where, you know, they, they share so many of my listings and, you know, send offers for me. And it's just a way to take things off of my plate. Cause I'm all about that in 2023 is last year I had way too much going on. And this year I'm like taking things away and what really makes sense. And there's some people that don't like that other people use quote unquote software to share their items. But if it takes something off my plate and it helps me, then I'm definitely all for it. I totally agree yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. And we also use my reseller genie. So that's a like analytic bookkeeping software for resellers. So it's a place where we can pull all of our data from Poshmark, Macari, like all the sales and from eBay and put it in that. And it just factors in, you know, our profits and, you know, lets us know how we're doing on each platform and even gives you more details of like how fast stuff is selling. So like how fast an item sold, like did it sell within 60 days or 270 days? So that's actually a really good tool. And I highly recommend it if anyone's looking for something for bookkeeping. They don't, you would have to manually put in Amazon though. So they 
They have an integration with eBay that will pull directly from your eBay account, but they don't have one for Amazon. So I don't know if it would be a really good tool for somebody who mainly does Amazon. Okay, nice. Um, what is an, some advice for anyone out there listening that wants to get started selling on eBay? I would say the biggest thing is to just start. There's going to be so much information out there. You're going to have information overload. You're going to be completely overwhelmed with everything there is to learn. But the big thing is to just start. And that's why I always suggest just go into your closet, find items or around the house that are just sitting there that you don't use anymore, don't need and list them. Because I mean, I'm a big person of you have to start doing something in order to to learn and to get better at something. So you'll, you have to make your first listing. You're going to make mistakes. And the big thing on eBay is learning about shipping. So you have to put in weights and dimensions of items, but you'll learn how to do shipping. Watch the, you know, tutorials that they have just like in, on Amazon in seller university, there are so many tutorials there. Same with eBay with the help section, go to the help section, start reading up on, you know, how would you handle a return? How would you handle if, you know, a buyer wanted to cancel a sale there? You just, you need to be more hands-on and do stuff rather than sitting back and having that fear of starting, like never have that fear. Yeah, there's, I agree that it's, I always explain to people that Amazon, you can watch videos day in and day out and until you actually start doing it, it's, it's not, it's only going to make so much sense. It makes so much more sense when you start doing it and you're going to make mistakes and those are only going to help you become stronger in the end. So don't be scared of mistakes, do everything you can to, you know, limit their financial impact because some of them can be costly, but you still are going to learn a lot through those mistakes. I know you have a ton of information out there on YouTube for both private label and eBay. Where can people go to learn more? So Casey and I are called the freeway flippers, which was inspired when we hit the freeway and started RVing, which we still hit the freeway and do sourcing, but we're the freeway flippers on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And then the paycheck to day check reselling podcast is also on YouTube. And then we're on Instagram at P2D podcast underscore on Instagram and then P2D podcast on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook. Nice. And I will link all of these links in the show notes to make it easy for everyone to go and grab. Thank you so much for being on. I already am going to reschedule you to learn more about private label because I just think it's so interesting and want to talk more but thank you so much for coming on this was a lot of fun and i learned so much and now i'm going to go look for stuff around the house that i can list and just start you can start with those bikinis that could be a yeah. good place thank you so much for having me it's been so awesome like face to face being able to chat and i am just really honored that you had me be a podcast guest on your selling podcast thank you Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe or leave me a review wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can watch the podcast on YouTube at Your Selling Podcast. And you can also check out Liz and Ashley's podcast at Paycheck to Daycheck on YouTube. Until next week, happy sourcing.